0: Welcome back to the Humble and Brag podcast. I keep, this, this is a thing that I think viewers might notice. I keep, there's a like small screen to, just to the right of center of this camera, and I keep looking at that to make sure it's in focus. I'm but also
1: looking at that rather than into the camera as well. We, should, we, should, we should
0: be looking into the camera lens, deep into the soul of the viewer. So it's Can I get you a to bit? budge over just a little bit? Is that all right? I know I take up more space, but let it back a little bit. Uh, okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, we're good. Should I start from the top? That was quite rambly. I can't believe we just have these blank posters here. Anyway, for you to write down your thoughts. (laughs) Welcome back to the Humble and Bragg podcast. Uh, We're here today to talk about YouTube and marketing and building systems and processes. I don't know what the theme is today. What's the theme today?
1: Um, I have some digital posters on my boards. Okay. um, Much like your real ones over there. But these (laughs) ones have writing on. Not just props. My question for you today is, we have, if I can order my words, is how to get fast. And what I mean by how to get fast is You're uh, asking the wrong person, Ed. We've talked about <laughs> weekly releases quite a lot. And like we say, oh, yeah, weekly releases are important. But why, first of all, mm-hmm. I guess, is an main mm-hmm. question. Like whether that's still the case. And secondly, if it is important, then how do you achieve it? Damn, OK. <clears throat> yeah. I can do
0: that.
1: Two, two part question. OK, so why are weekly releases important?
0: Okay, I'll take it from the top. I think when you're building a channel and you want to kind of justify, as we talked about in a previous episode, the business case and the ROI of that channel, I think the best thing you can do as quickly as possible is to gather as much data as possible. And when I say data, I mean things like, you know, information viewership, what your audience thinks and feels about the content in the comments, how the videos perform, is it driving channel growth, is this driving people to your website or your homepage or your product or service? And to do all that, I think it's... Still advantageous in this this day and age, although some creators I'm sure would say otherwise, is to be consistent with your release schedule. Initially, I think consistency is key, and you can do that by publishing a weekly long-form video on YouTube. And the reason I say once a week or typically a weekly video is because there's quite a lot of uh, processes and work, here, work hours sorry, that go into the production of that. So it's not something you can just like fly out um, or sort of willy-nilly, I just said Willie nilly <laughs> in the podcast. I don't know if that's going to translate culturally, but... It's uh, like that the moment
1: when, when Hugh Grant goes up to Daisy. Yeah, you know? and it was in
0: Four Weddings and a Funeral or... Nothing uh, Hill. Nothing Hill. Notting Hill. Yeah, when he's
1: trying to plan over with fence. This is, this is that. You're my Julia
0: Roberts in this scenario here. So. <laughs> Great. I've already gone on a tangent. I'm talking about <laughs> something quite technical. So yeah, I think the reason that weekly releases are important is because it gives you a wealth of data in a fairly short amount of time. So if you think about maybe if you publish 12 videos, that's maybe two, three months, three months, if you publish weekly. And then you get data and you can refine your creative process. You can refine and tweak and and do all these little production changes to improve the content as you go. And you get this data that I've talked about. So that's why I think, ideally, if you have the team in place and you have the budget and the kind of the the will and the buy-in, a weekly release is kind of the minimum that you would want to be doing.
1: Maybe just to clarify here, because that might have also changed over the years, what does a weekly release actually mean Mm -hmm. in the era of kind of multiple formats being available and you say, I mean, you could be releasing one short a week. Yeah. You could be doing one live event a week. It's you could good. be doing one long form or a bit of micro concert. Well, what does that actually mean, mm-hmm. do you think, a weekly release? Maybe like idealistically, like what would what, what you like it's mean and what's kind of minimum, yeah. minimum viable product for weekly release? It's good to
0: clarify that because you could publish like a 30-second video and that mm-hmm. classes classes weekly. For me, a weekly release is something that takes some planning and take some commitment in terms of the research so something that your team or your the the creator in question is looking at for example what are your competitors doing what are your audience or the wider audience around the area that you operate in or sell in or provide a service for what are they looking for and what are they engaging with and then how can you create content that will capture that attention and bring them into your kind of into your funnel essentially and Mm -hmm. I think for me still in in this day and age I know it's maybe changed over the years but for me, that still represents a decent quality, valuable, value-driven long-form video. And I think that would be something in the range of between 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. And that's why, again, this kind of production process is a bit mm-hmm. a bit longer and you have to con- consider the, the, the resources that you would need because those do take a bit more work in terms of planning, but also pre-production, post-production, distribution, uh, and also then repurposing as well across your other socials and other, mm-hmm. other channels. So that would be the first thing. So I hope, I, I hope I've covered why I think a weekly release is the way to go, especially when you're starting out. And then the second part of the question was the...
1: How? How do you achieve do you... it? So, I mean, you have this, yeah, this ideal of the weekly release, yes. as you mentioned, important kind of procedurally in order to get into that rhythm, but then also to collect data on what's working mm. consistently and to collect enough data And basically, when we say weekly release, we mean this long-form release. Mm, mm -hmm. And I guess maybe supplemented, supported by other shorter-form bits of content potentially. But then how do you actually achieve that as a team internally at a company when you have all the other distractions of the everyday work life um, (laughs) and personal life? (laughs) Many many distractions. So so how do you get to that? I mean, how do you manage to produce like a 20-minute video every week? When, you know, take Steven Spielberg, Spielberg, yeah. and I'm pronouncing it in German way, Spielberg, you know, years to produce this or whatever.
0: I mean, I've produced nothing as, as
1: valuable culturally well, as you do. Te- it's like two hours long, right? <laughs> we have quite a special effects, I guess.
0: I've done some long videos. I've done some like 40-minute videos. Mm.
1: It's a good question.
0: It's a million-dollar question, and you can hear it in the next episode. No, I'm just joking. I can't, I can't do that to the viewer. <laughs> you sign up below. Get yeah, it. sample All for the juicy free, stuff. Or free training. No, this is, this is a very good question. And I think that's the main thing that people that operate on YouTube, I think, struggle with is building that. It's almost like a stamina that you train for. Mm-hmm. And by training, I don't mean, you know, you don't have your team working out in the gym or anything, but you can definitely build in processes and systems. And I think for me, over the years, I've been doing this for about five years now, five plus years, it's evolved so much. And I think that's yeah. why we can then decant this information down, hopefully for the viewer or the listener. But for me, it was, it's, it's had, I would say, three stages. And I'll maybe just quickly touch on those stages before we dive into the specifics and, and how that all worked. But the first stage was having one person, in this case me, mm-hmm. doing everything from start to finish. So that was kind of the, the research, the development, the, the planning, the filming, the editing, the distribution. the thumbnail. So that, that was a, a period when I first started YouTube that I was working for a company at the time where I was doing all that myself, mm-hmm. more or less. Not necessarily starring in the videos, but doing all the back end and the, the production, the planning. And that is, I think, when you're doing a weekly release, quite an unsustainable system because you get into this cycle where you can't really take a break and it leads to you know kind of content fatigue and, and team mm-hmm. member fatigue as well. So I think that that's definitely something I've evolved away from the producer or channel manager. And then I think the sweet spot, which started to develop when we started to work together, was having a team in place. So this was a team that actually had the resources. I think when we started, there was two videographers and myself, kind of overseeing the planning and the strategy and the keyword research, all those things. But then you also had a team of people that could assist you doing the filming, doing this, mm-hmm. you know, setting up the lights and things, and also the post production. So that was a really nice sweet spot. And I think it's just then you start to look at the processes of how you do that. You're not relying on one person to kind of do everything from start to finish and kind of cramming and edit in two or three days for the release but you actually have a means to kind of produce a bit of a backlog of content. Maybe you take a break in publishing to begin mm-hmm. with, maybe a few weeks. You build up a backlog, you maybe film eight, nine, ten videos, and then that means that you can start to stagger the releases, but the team always, you know, always are busy, always have something to work on, and then once all the videos are scheduled in and ready for release, you can go back to the drawing board and mm-hmm. make plans and, and, and draw together more research for another batch of content. And then most recently, I think the, the way that I think I would advocate for most channels or businesses if they have the funds and the, the will to do so is I think having a small but very kind of specialized in-house team, but then that in-house team can also leverage freelancer support. And just to touch on the process and that kind of team fatigue and content fatigue that I mentioned, editing is one of the, the most time-consuming parts of production for YouTube. And you hear all these big creators say get YouTube burnout after a few years, and have to go off to retreat in Bali for several mm-hmm. months, um, et cetera, et cetera. But on a, on a more micro level, I think it's definitely um, something that's very real. And if, if you can kind of mitigate that by bringing in some freelance support, obviously to a budget and to a spec in terms of quality and, and costings, then it really does free up your team to come up with bigger ideas, maybe more avant-garde or out there content production ideas And I think that's where the real money is. If you get a team that can maybe do a little bit of the first part, a little bit of the second part, and then free their kind of creative juices, so to speak, Mm -hmm. by enabling freelancer support, it really frees the team up to do some next level, top tier content, which I think once they have an understanding of how a platform works, it really, you really start to see impact from that. And what would that process look like? It would probably require maybe someone focusing on the strategy, maybe a content strategist in tandem with a video producer or I guess you can interchange that with a YouTube producer these days, some kind of videographer, someone that has the, the, kind of the creative and technical know-how to capture the content mm-hmm. and also direct, but then also this kind of creative strategist that can do the R&D, the research, come up with video briefs, inform the subject matter experts or the talent, uh, and then the freelancers would, would come in and edit that and hopefully quite quickly be able to give you a, a wealth of content that you mm-hmm. can schedule and release. So it's kind of a long-winded way of saying two people and a bunch of freelancers, but
1: and then when you say a bunch of freelancers, then what do you think is necessary in order to hit that cadence of weekly videos? Weekly videos, I would say... Do you say... need 10? Do you need 2? Do you need 5? If you can get 2 two
0: or 3 reliable people, and, and one of the things that we did when we were experimenting with this is we kind of put almost like a job ad on LinkedIn, and you get a lot of people from all over the world, because it, it can be a remote role, definitely, from all over the world applying, and you maybe you work with maybe 4 or 5 people... And then you definitely see kind of the quality and who surfaces to the top very mm-hmm. quickly. And it's, I, I don't mean to put a competitive angle on it, but it's good to have a pool of maybe two or three reliable people, I would say. Yep. And that means that you can also have content being worked on kind of consecutively as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. That's what I would do.
1: Cool. Thank you very much. No worries. Is that, was that everything? All I right. didn't know that you was know, comprehensive. <laughs> yeah. Like covered in terms of uh, the importance of the weekly release what it actually constitutes mm. and then how to achieve that. Yeah. And it sounds like quite an operation to get off the ground from zero to, to that in-house team plus the mm. freelancers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you explained it very Thank intricately very and well. Much. And it was pretty clear kind of what would be necessary in order to hit that volume. Yeah. But I mean that's a by that time then you can definitely say that it's a very established channel and probably yeah. one of the yeah, yeah. biggest content engines in the in the company, even for like a relatively established company.
0: Well, this is the thing, and it's something that we touched on in in a previous episode here, but I think it's once you get that kind of justification for the channel and you get that data coming in from these weekly releases, you quite quickly start to see, you know, the kind of content you should be investing in, the kind of topics you should be investing in, also what kind of resources you might need, where the gaps are. Mm -hmm. I find it quite rare that companies would go for option three straight off the bat. I personally think it's the best way to do it, but I can naturally understand if you're a scale-up or, you know, a smaller startup and you don't necessarily have the funds, Maybe you just need one person that can do it and you have to make allowances for it being a bit scrappy, mm-hmm. maybe taking more frequent pauses. But then you can definitely work up quite quickly to that
1: that third option with the, the Or otherwise right. kind of just give a bit more slack in one of the areas, right? Yeah, like exactly. slightly more rapid production, maybe more yeah. vlog style content yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. Could also be possible with saying, Okay, to begin with we do every two weeks rather than every I mean I remember that we did Mm. That quite often that we said, okay, look, it's not feasible to do this weekly release. Let's do every two weeks or something like that for a period of time and build up that backlog.
0: Absolutely, or Um, something like akin to this, where you have a podcast. I mean, I know we're we're focusing mm. more on more refined topics of conversation now than maybe the first couple of episodes. (laughs) There was no refinement. There there was a lot of refinement. We were just figuring out what we were doing. But then, for some, for example, something like this, which I hope once we've we've published, we can then go in and cut Mm. in cut out all these little soundbites, have audiograms, have little mini social media posts like written text and also like little short form videos. Yeah, Yeah, I think a podcast is something that's very easy to produce because it takes maybe an hour to plan the talking points or so. You can film it all fairly straightforward, you know, like Mm -hmm. talking head almost with a desk, for example, and then that can be cut up, which is what I hope
1: will be here. Just to get a little bit better about it. But I think oh, yes. uh, the one last thing I'd say is, okay, you have your, you have your content strategist, for example, YouTube strategist and the the production side. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the same for every single marketing channel. Like regardless, yeah. whichever you think about social media, you think about how you companies manage mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, It's generally the same kind of thing. Yeah. And you get some people that can do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. But generally you need that coupling up of like the designer and the strategist or the, the video producer and the strategist, regardless of the channel. And then if you look at like standard paid or performance channels, mm. It's kind of the same thing. You're going to have someone, the brand, person who's deciding on the messaging and the performance person who's kind of the media buyer distributing that. So I think you always have that coupling up. So YouTube, in a way, is no different.
0: I agree. Yeah, 100%. And you can also have a bit of overlay with, for example, video people working on your TikTok channel or on your Mm -hmm. LinkedIn video content. And one thing I want to add in just, and I don't mean this as a sales pitch for the viewers, but generally, I think if you can work with people that can streamline that and save you a bit of time, rather than going in blind and trying to figure out these processes and the systems and the templates for briefing people and how to do research and keyword research and all this sort of stuff that goes on in the, in the pre-production almost stage. Mm-hmm. If you could, if, for example, resources that we, that we offer people, we can come in and work with teams or build teams and do all that for people and it saves, I would like to think, oh, a fair bit of time and effort.
1: Yeah, when, when we talk In a previous video about the the kind of mistakes that we had made or things that we would do better Mm -hmm. if we were to do these launch channels again, which, I mean, I guess it's basically what we're doing now. And for me, that hiring the YouTube strategist, that would be kind of the first step, like someone more senior. And not too many of these people exist who have expertise at the kind of company level. But I think that person enables this process to happen rather than bringing on like freelancers to do the work without having someone in-house or rather than bringing on video produced videographers without the strategic knowledge or abilities then i would actually do that later and i bring on the strategist and say okay you have a couple of months to plan out how we're going to do this and then maybe we start with kind of freelancers get the first videos produced and then we start to build the team once we see the results but yeah in hindsight i would go more senior and more specialist in that area
0: Yeah. And just to touch on the actual video element as well, like I think when we're talking about hiring as well, it's always great because that person can work across multiple channels, also on performance ads, also (laughs) website videos. If you're on a really tight budget, though, you can also, as long as the content is planned out carefully, you can also just plan for a week of filming, for example, work with a freelancer that's in your location or your geography. I don't know why that means kind of the same thing in this context, but you can bring someone in like, hey, this is the content. Here's who we're filming with. I'm going to direct. I just need you to make sure everything's technically set up and looking good. And then you have this wealth of content that you can then work with someone for a week on, yeah. probably generate you know, several months' worth of weekly releases, for example, and then publish that as well. Mm-hmm. And with freelancer support, perhaps. So something to think about as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's part of the process uh, we didn't touch on so much, is this idea of kind of batching production. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then from that batch batched production, basically producing a long line of content that you can then uh, put into the backlog and then release over a, yeah. a number of months and it kind of really releases or reduces the pressure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It reduces this kind of uh, production fatigue a bit yeah. as well where you're, you're basically, it's never ending. Um, so you finish a release and then you're filming mm. the same day for the next release. So I think having that set up and that, that system and process in place definitely takes a fair bit of pressure off the team but also uh, frees up from working at creative endeavours as well. So Wonderful. I've really enjoyed that. I really... I think you did
1: an excellent job. I don't know why I'm surprised. So (laughs) (laughs) So that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you very much for watching. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, leave a comment, ask us a question, we'll get right back to you. And we shall see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.